Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study material found in the Gemara on page 65 of Tractate Psachim. In this passage, the Gemara is discussing the Korban Pesach, the special Paschal offering that was made on Erev Pesach in the Great Temple in Jerusalem. A kid or a lamb was slaughtered by having its neck cut, and the blood was collected in silver and golden bowls by the priests and then pitched at the foot of the altar, the great bronze altar that stood in the, in the temple courtyard. Our text begins with part of a baraita. A baraita is a special teaching from the period of the Mishnah that for some reason was not included in the Mishnah itself. And this baraita we meet in the middle. Amar lahen Rabbi Yehudah the Rabbi Judah said to the sages, according to your opinion that the blood was not collected from the courtyard floor on Erev Pesach, lama pokakinata azara? Why did they stop up the drain in the courtyard floor? To understand this, you have to imagine the, the volume of sacrifices. No matter how careful the priests were, some blood got on the ground. There, were, uh, there was a dispute about that blood. Was it collected up and pitched at the altar, or was it just discarded? Uh, the sages said that it was not collected up because most of the blood on the ground was not lifeblood. It was blood that merely dripped out of the decapitated animal's neck aperture, and as such not qualified to be pitched at the base of the altar. Well, if that's the case, that they didn't collect the blood, then why did they stop up the drain? You would think the opposite would have been the case. They would have opened the drain so that the blood would drain out. The sages said to Rabbi Yehuda, Shevachu Aharon, ad badam. The sages said to Rabbi Judah, the reason that they plugged up the hole was because it was a special credit to the priests of Israel, to the sons of Aaron, that they were prepared to walk in blood up until their knees, for this showed the level of their devotion to the temple service and the degree to which they were prepared to engage even in the most repulsive rituals for the sake of worship. The Gemara has a problem. Would, wouldn't it be so then, they say, that if that the blood would form some sort of barrier between the feet of the Kohanim and the floor of the, of the temple? Isn't that not allowed? But the Gemara has an answer to that as well. We know a different variety that says this, Hadam we know that certain substances like blood or ink or milk or honey, if they dry up, then they become a type of a barrier. But as long as they're wet, they're not considered barriers at all because the feet of the Kohanim simply sink through the liquid to the floor. But now the Gemara has another problem. Wouldn't it be the case that the if they were schlepping around in the temple with the blood up to their knees that their vestments would become filthy? And don't we know yet in a different baraita the following? If a Kohen serves at the altar with filthy garments, then his, his worship is considered invalid. 
So how could they possibly have allowed the blood to rise so high as to stain their garments? Wouldn't that be counterproductive? Wouldn't it mean that their worship service was not considered acceptable? So the Gemara has an idea. It says, well, maybe they just lifted up their, the hems of their garments to keep them from getting stains. But that's a bit of a problem, too, because we know that their outer tunic was form-fitting. It was tight. It wasn't possible to lift it up. It wasn't like a huge hoop skirt that you could simply lift high. It was more like a tight-fitting robe that could not be lifted up easily beyond the, the depth to which, it, to which it went on your legs. And so the Gemara solves that problem by suggesting that, that maybe when it said that they walked around with blood up into their knees, it didn't mean in general. It just meant particularly when they carried the limbs of the slaughtered animal up for immolation at the top of the altar, because that's not formally part of the worship service. The Gemara takes exception to that, though. Is it not part of the worship service? Of course it's part of the worship service. That's why only a Kohen can do it. Carrying the limbs of the sacrificed animal to the top of the altar is absolutely part of worship. And so we go to a different uh, solution. Perhaps it, it, when it said that they walked around with the blood up to their knees, it meant when they were carrying wood to the top of the altar to create the fire stacks on which the, the sacrificial pieces of the animals were burnt. That's certainly not formal worship. And uh, but that leaves the the other question in place, which is that when the Kohanim were carrying the limbs up the ramp, so how did they walk without soiling their their garments? And the answer is that they walked on platforms that were specially uh, set into place on Erev Pesach, so that as the blood level rose higher and higher, the Kohanim could walk on these platforms and not uh, get their their garments stained with with, with blood. And with that, the Gemara goes on to something else. Modern people, such as ourselves, don't know what to do with stuff like this. The whole idea of sacrificing animals, of worshipping at the altar, of pitching the blood of sacrificed animals at the base of the altar, the idea of the Kohanima for different types of sacrifices using their fingers to fling uh, the blood at different parts of the altar, all of this seems so peculiar to us, so so primitive, so so much like something that we would not want to have any part of. And yet, this is part of our history, this is part of our heritage, and more to the point, this is an integral part of our Torah. And so, perhaps by studying these passages that seem at least repulsive to most of us, the Gemara is inviting us to to uh, be slightly less arrogant in our appraisal of Scripture. If we feel ourselves bound to God in covenant as members of the House of Israel, then the, the codicils of that, co- of that covenant are formulated by the mitzvot of our Torah. And these laws that govern sacrifice are part of that covenant. This is part of the covenant bequeathed by Hashem to the Jewish people at Sinai. This is not something to look past or to be embarrassed by or to step away from. This is something to study, to ponder, to take seriously, to think about, to wonder in a world without temple and without priests, what actually there is to be learned from the contemplation of these laws. What does it mean to develop a mental picture of the priests of Israel uh, sacrificing hundreds of thousands of Zevach Pesach offerings, Erev Pesach, and having the the drain stopped up so the blood level rose. What What is that image exactly supposed to suggest to us and inspire in us? It's to ask questions like that and to ponder issues like that, that modern people such as ourselves will do best to study the Gemara. These images are not meant to scare us or to put us off, but to invite us to contemplate the text 
and to accept in our hearts the principle that there can be no part of the Torah of God that is alien to the Jewish people. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.